the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. What's up, Degeneration? Welcome to Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the NCAA tournament round one betting preview part one. We're going to cover the South and the West today. I'm Stucky and joining me today to preview those regions. First up, Mr. Jim Root. We're going to go through the entire South. We're going to go through every game. Some a couple seconds, some a little more in depth. And then we'll talk about who we see coming through to help out with your bracket and potential futures. And then later in the show, BJ Cunningham will join me and we'll talk some West. So Jim, we're recording this on Tuesday night. So we won't have every game, right? It's before the Rutgers Notre Dame plan, but how are you doing overall? And uh, are you looking out your window at night, seeing if Santa's on his way? Oh yeah. Uh, I am. My, my brain is close to mush right now, just having written and talked about these games, but I'm going to bring it. I got it for this one more pod here, Stucky. We're going to, we're going to hammer these out. I love the South region. I, I'm a big fan of a lot of the teams in it. So it makes for a lot of fun matchups to discuss some potential matchups down the line. Uh, I think it's my favorite region. So I'm glad it's the one that I have got to, to preview with you here. It's going to be a good one. Well, you did get first choice because you did the initial bracket reaction for me on Sunday night. I appreciate you for that. And uh, yeah, I will bring it as well. Got a couple more hours after this. And I know you've had three man weed stuff. So it's just uh, the good thing is it's like when I'm not doing any of this stuff, I'm just staring at lines and looking at these matchups. So they're, they're, it's also nice uh, to kind of push the time along. Just get me to get me to 1207 uh, on Thursday. Not 11, because that hour between 11 and 12, when all the lines are bouncing all over the place and late movement, uh, that hour does, it feels like it's like three. But uh, I digress. Let's get into it. The South region, Arizona, is the number one overall seed in this region. The two seed, Villanova Wildcats, have obviously had a lot of tournament success under Jay Wright. The three is Tennessee. Could have argued they should have been a two after winning the SEC tournament. Illinois is the four. So this is, there's some, and then, you know, Houston's the five. It's a pretty loaded field at the top. You don't, you're not like, all right, well, here's a, a pretty week three or a pretty week two. I know you're a big fan of Arizona. They don't seem to have any real inherent weaknesses. We'll start broad. Are they coming out of here? Who's a threat to them? Does Creasa's injury matter much to you? Um, what say you on the, We'll start at the top, like to the top region, Arizona through Chattanooga. Do they come through to the Elite Eight? And if not, who can potentially pick them off? Yeah, I, I have Arizona getting through there, but it's I, I don't think it's any walk in the park for them. Um, the, the Carissa injury changes how they have to play a little bit, I think. Uh, they don't get the same kind of swagger from him, the same shot making from the point guard spot. Uh, Justin Kyer is solid. Pella Larson and, and Dale and Terry have, have some playmaking chops, but they're not true point guards. Uh, and 
I just Carissa brings something uh, intangible to that team. So they lacking that is a little bit tough, but I was impressed with them against. He UCLA. can also like kind of implode though, right? Like work against yeah. them in a way. I believe too. he was 0 for 14 on the road at, at UCLA, maybe 0 for 12. Like he, he did not hit a single field goal in that game and they lost. Uh, yeah. But I do, I find the five and the four very strong here. Obviously analytical rankings love Houston. Uh, Illinois, I think has a lot of the pieces necessary to make a run with a great big man, some great guards. I like the, the lower-seeded teams. UAB and Chattanooga were, were ones I was targeting before the reveal. So I, I actually find this region to be quite loaded. Uh, basically, if you took anybody one through five from the South and swapped them with their counterpart in the Midwest, I would take that team to make the Final Four in the Midwest. Like, if you put Houston as the five down there, Final Four for me. If you put Illinois, Tennessee, Villanova down there, I, I would take them. So I, I find this region very difficult to predict because there are a lot of strong teams, but Arizona still is the one I am sticking by. Yeah, I wish UAB, like UAB or Chattanooga, could they have gotten like some, any other four or five seats? We're going to talk about those games briefly. We'll skip over Arizona, winner of a right state in Bryant. If Arizona plays Bryant, by the way, I don't think Bryant knows how to play any other way than, and right state plays fast too, but Bryant's just the speed race. They're going to try to press. And so that, uh, I think Bryant earlier this year lost 111 to 44 to Houston. Mm -hmm. Um, That one could get out of hand. Arizona by 40 plus. I, I, I genuinely think that is just a complete shellacking. Yeah. And Arizona has the like, if, say, if you project a chalk I would throw in, it's Illinois. Arizona has the size inside uh, to deal with Coburn for sure. All right. So let's just move down. Seton Hall, TCU. That's a, a brawl, a men's game, just two teams that are going to try to live on the glass. I have TCU advancing there. I like them a little bit. I'm going to bet them. Not nothing, not a huge bet. Cause I think it's just going to be a grinder. So it's going to, I don't think any team's really going to pull away from the other. I think Miles is the difference. The backcourt injuries from Hall catch up to them. I think t- it'll be nice for TCU to get out of the Big 12 as well. Um, it's a team that doesn't really shoot a lot of threes, doesn't shoot them well. Playing in that conference with all the no-middle teams is uh, not great. I'm watching Oklahoma-Missouri State now, which is, looks like it's going to be first to 100. Oklahoma <laughs> looks like they were extremely pleased to get out of the Big 12. Any thoughts on Seton Hall, TCU? Well, that, that spooks me for my, my strongest lean here, which would be the under. I, I do think it's going to be a brawl, like you said. Uh, but, yeah, I think both teams are so strong defensively, especially at the rim. Seton Hall's incredible at the rim. Their, their defense when Obiagu on the floor is on the floor is, is lights out inside. But the TCU offensive rebounding edge is, is big to me. They're number one in the country in rebound rate on the offensive end. A surprise they were ahead of Houston. Uh, and then Seton Hall's kind of dicey uh, on the defensive glass, especially in a, in a league in the Big East where I don't picture it as stacked with uh, monster offensive rebounds. So I think TCU has a big edge there. And like you said, Miles, best playmaker on the floor, best creator in the backcourt with Bryce Aiken out for Seton Hall. So, yep, I, I'm, I'm leaning TCU and the under. Uh, let's move on to the 5-12 Houston UAB. UAB, of course, has one of the most – electric players in the field in Jelly Walker. Uh, if you haven't seen him play, he's capable of going for 40 and give a night. So if he's on, if he's hitting just three after three, UAB can certainly win this game. But Houston's not the best matchup for them. However, digging into this matchup, curious to get your thoughts on this. UAB will press and they will pressure. And I think they're one of the five heaviest press teams in the field. They'll extend pressure. They want to play faster. Houston doesn't have a lot of depth. And they struggled in a couple matchups with Memphis's pressure. Is that an avenue for success for UAB? Or 
or does this game just basically come down to Walker needs to go nuts because Houston's going to grab most of the rebounds and their length could give UAB some trouble. Um, this game I keep going back and forth on, especially from a spread perspective. I think Houston's sitting right around an eight point favorite. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I've gone back and forth as well. I mean, I, I think these are both maybe the strongest, at least, especially per metrics. These are the strongest teams at their particular seed line. Uh, like if UAB was against any other five seed, they might be like a two point dog or something. Uh, but Houston is so well thought of in metrics that it's, it's eight. I, I view these teams very similarly. Like I think they kind of have a hard hat lunch pail identity. They, they get after it on the glass. Houston's just better at that identity. The pressure you mentioned, I think is, is the route for UAB to, to compete. And it's going to take a while. They might have to wear them down over time. They only have uh, Houston really only has like two and a half ball handlers on the entire squad. So you wear down, you get into their legs. Maybe you make a run in the second half. And then, yeah, Jelly, Jelly's got to go bonkers. He's got to be pulling up from 30 as he does. Doesn't matter how much time's on the shot clock. He will fire away. But Houston's got length to throw at him. I think Tajay Moore's a great, great matchup to bother him with. So, yeah, I'm leaning towards Houston. Uh, it's, it's a fairly big number for two teams I respect. But uh, I'm picking Houston to advance and lean to their way on the spread. Illinois Chattanooga, another game with the spread right in the same neighborhood as Houston UAB. When this matchup first came out, I said, wow, the Chattanooga is a, a, they're a rare mid-major who has a, a piece inside in DeSouza, the former Kansas transfer. I'm sure that a lot of you are more casual basketball fans. You might remember him from, there was like a, a chair incident with uh, under, against Kansas, Kansas State, and it was just uh, complete chaos. But he transferred to Chattanooga. He missed some time, but he's back now healthy. They have some other sides too. I mean, you watch this game. Chattanooga, it's not going to be like, you know, when last year, if you think of Colgate, Arkansas, where you're like, wow, Colgate looks uh, like, it's kind of like the Jersey game. Like you're a small high school and you go out and play a really big high school that has three times the kids and you're like, man, this team looks so much better. It's not going to be like that. Chattanooga has got, has, you know, high major athleticism. Malachi Smith's an incredible guard. He can get red hot. You got a John Batiste who's been there for, their point guard, he's been there for, I don't know, five, six years, really experienced point running the show. But they have bodies to throw at Coburn. Um, can Chattanooga pull off this upset? Is there value with the dog here? This one this one was weird for me. I, I'm curious where you ended up on the spread, too. Um, Chattanooga team, I was looking to back coming in because I thought they had some giant killer formula with the size they rebound the ball. They don't really turn it over. They have big time scorers in the backcourt. It's just weird matchup wise because you want to put Kofi Coburn in ball screens and move him around on the perimeter, make him play in space. That's how Loyola really took advantage of Illinois last year. And that's not in Chattanooga's normal DNA. They're more of like a off ball motion, some swing elements. Lamont Parrish, their coach, is coming over from Wisconsin. So I don't know if they, from a matchup sense, have the exact makeup to compete here. I just think they're good enough to on a straight talent level, coaching level to where seven and a half feels a little high to me. And I, and I lean towards the mocks on the spread. Yeah. I would lean the mocks as well. Their pick and roll defense is a bit of a concern for me on the perimeter. They don't grade out well, um, which could be problematic from a matchup perspective. Like I think Malachi Smith can give his size and his shooting ability can give Illinois some issues, but then again, Illinois does a tremendous job of taking away the three, 
which I think Chattanooga is going to need here. But yeah, I don't, it's not the exact DNA of a team that you would want to upset Illinois. So I think shots are going to have to fall for Chattanooga. And that's a strength of Illinois um, in their three point defense. But you're right. They want to like feed the post. They want to swing it. So yeah, I keep going back and forth. I think the spread is a little high. So I might end up with, uh, you know, this is the time of year. Look, spreads are really efficient and they're getting more efficient. I remember, man, back in the day, the opening night, um, I'm sitting there like, wow, there's not many, there's not a ton of games that are way off. Like you would have, you know, some of these dogs now in like 5-12 matchups, 4-13. Um, they used to be mispriced, but now you have so many analytical sites out there. Ken Palm obviously started that, that um, bookmakers aren't caught with their pants down as much and the line just keep getting more and more efficient. So I think a, a lot of times there's not going to be a, a ton of games where I'm like, this is a huge edge anymore. Um, so a lot of times it comes down to matchups, which we're going to talk about. And then sometimes I'll, I'll throw a small bet in because I, I like a dog just for entertainment. It's that time of year. So I might end up throwing something small on Chattanooga um, just for some entertainment value. But um, I don't think the spread is wildly off. Right. I would agree there. Uh, yeah. Like you can just kind of tell from the lack of movement from openers, like it, clearly yeah. the openers have been kind of sharp because you don't see ones going from like two up to five or 15 down to 12. Like the, the openers were pretty good. And I was, I was bummed because I was hoping to get ahead of some of the movement, but there's just not much of it out there. Yeah. I got uh, a tiny, tiny amount. I mean, you can't really get much sound on these very initial openers on Georgia state plus 27. That was one that, uh, that opened 23, went to 27 within a minute, and then down to 25, then down to 24. But, yeah, not a lot of movies. You'll see them in totals um, and a lot of times towards the under, but more so now than sides. But, yeah, the market is certainly much more efficient, which means, and be ready for this, just be ready for variance and hope it's on your side. Because as lines get more efficient, that means three-point variance, late foul variance, it's just going to come into play more often. Um, so you got to hope the three point variance on your side and, uh, free throws, you're going to have last two minutes fouls are up 20, 25% in the tournament. Um, so just be ready and know that you're going to take some bad beat lumps and just move on to the next and enjoy the tournament. All right. So I would agree. I, th- I have Arizona also coming out. I think that they have the easiest path. And then there's also, you know, a chance for chaos, like jelly Walker gets hot. You know, Chattanooga's hot. So like the, the four and five, I think, are much more vulnerable. Um, so it wouldn't shock me to see, you know, a surprise Sweet 16 here. But I think Arizona is the class. No real weaknesses. I mean, if you're if you're drawing up a team that you'd want to face Arizona, um, is it a team that that zones, um, that's going to use zone? Is it a team that is just going to ensure that they completely, you know, make sure the game crawls to a stop and is slow in half court and they're going to control the pace? Is it like a – you know, a Villanova um, where I, so I was, I was trying to think of like, who is the team I would want if I was drawing up the ideal opponent, if I wanted to bet against Arizona, it doesn't have to be a specific team, but just stylistic wise, who, what would you kind of draw up there? I think the tempo part's big. Um, UCLA kept them in the half court. Tennessee kept them in the half court. Uh, I think those were, you know, if they get in transition, they are so lethal because they're big, they're athletic. They're mobile. Even their big guys are, are really mobile. Tabellus is like shockingly mobile when you, when you see him play. Um, and then maybe a little bit of pressure. Uh, I, I've been concerned with their turnover issues in, in Pac-12 play. They're 10th in the league in turnover rate. Uh, and that not even always against teams with 
a ton of pressure. So like if UAB gets through there and they have Quan Jackson harassing Dalen Terry or Justin Kyer with Kreese still out, I could see them being a very feisty underdog because they could get some easy buckets off steals. Um, but yeah, the half court thing I think is the biggest part. It's the same with Gonzaga. Like they're very similar. Don't let those teams run. Would you zone zone? I would try. I, I, I think their ball movement is good enough to beat some zones. If you're just not, if you're just doing it because you want to try a zone, you haven't practiced it. You're probably not going to be good enough in rotation, uh, but forcing them to shoot over the top, uh, not letting them do the high low stuff uh, where, where Tibellis and Coloco can seal. I think you got to keep them out of that too. Yeah. The, and the problem with you're trying to pick the eight, nine seed upset here. Like if you're really confident seeing RTC against Arizona, like those teams want to live on the glass and like inside and Arizona has a lot of side. It's hard to see either one of those teams outscoring Arizona. So I don't, I don't have that on my radar as an eight potential eight, nine upset. Would you agree? Yeah, not, I didn't even consider it, put Arizona right into the sweet 16. Okay, let's move on to the bottom half of the South region from, if you're looking at your bracket, Colorado State on down to Delaware. Villanova is the two seed down here, the favorite to come out, but Tennessee would obviously be a formidable opponent if the chalk holds high level. Who do you have coming out of here and uh, why? I, I waffled a lot. I went back and forth between the Vols and Villanova. And then I ended up just kind of looping back to the game that they played early in the season. Um, Villanova pulled them apart, held them to 53 points, made Tennessee play in the half court, took away the three-point line or at least quality three-point looks. And I, I know Tennessee is much better than they were then. I'm sure Vols fans would be screaming at me for that. Uh, they were young. They're playing a lot of young guards. Ziegler was not even in a big role then. He was playing seven minutes in that game. So it's a different team, but I still think Villanova can frustrate them in the same way. Granted, there are possibilities for upsets, and, and we'll mention a couple here that I think are actually worth considering. Uh, but I do have chalk holding Villanova over Tennessee to get to the Elite Eight. Where, where, where'd you land on that? I was trying to think of how much stock I should put into that game earlier in the season when Villanova just dominated Tennessee. But a lot of times, I just if you were thinking about that, I throw out a lot of those games between you know high major top 20 teams that happen in early November. Um there's a lot of new pieces that teams change a lot. And um, I think at the time, Villanova was much more of a, a known commodity. That was when Tennessee had yet to figure out their offense, right? This is That was when I thought of Tennessee as, oh, man, this is the same team, great defense, and they're going to go through extreme droughts, and that's going to be their downfall. They ended up making some changes offensively. And credit to Barnes. And now they're that's maybe their strength of their team um, is the their perimeter on the offense. So they're completely different teams here. I look so I was looking at all right, who do I think has a better chance of getting upset um, between Villanova and Tennessee? And I'm just not a I'm, I think Ohio State is fading. And if Loyola Chicago gets by, I mean, like that's Villanova's comfortable playing that game. Like one of the advantages of Loyola Chicago we'll get to them is that they make you uncomfortable with Nova's is comfortable there. So I think Tennessee has more landmines than Villanova. Um, and I think maybe the difference in the Villanova versus Tennessee game, Colin Gillespie back downs against those smaller Tennessee guards. I think yeah. that might end up being the X factor. So I'll roll with Jay Wright coming through uh, to the Elite Eight to face Arizona. Boring, I know, um, but uh, we will have some of the other regions I have 
a lot more upsets uh, and lower seeds going through. But let's talk about some of these games. Colorado State, Michigan, another game where I go back and forth um, on this one because I think both offenses have some legit advantages here. Hunter Dickinson, how can Colorado State contain him, right? Like that's a weakness of Colorado State that they're not the biggest team. And how is Michigan going to handle covering David Roddy? Can Colorado State run, you know, are they going to run a lot more pick and roll action at the top? I think Michigan can be a little susceptible to that. So I keep going back and forth. If I had to, as of right now, I'll take the points in Colorado State. Um, and again, that I think will be competitive throughout is Dickinson, just the X factor when Michigan needs a bucket, they're going to get it. Could Diabate or some of the length on Michigan, can they contain Roddy? Um, I'm sure. They might try a couple different guys. And I don't think they're going to try to put Dickinson on him because Dickinson can't stay with him laterally at the top. So I'd be curious to see how Michigan decides to guard and then how Colorado state decides to guard. Like it's going to be like, how, what are these rotations going to look like? I think that's going to matter. Um, fascinating game. What do you say? Yeah, I think Colorado State's best lineup in a vacuum, like not not considering opponent here, is when they go David Roddy at the five, Tom Jay at the four, and then three guards, and that they can really spread teams out that way. But it's super vulnerable inside. So Roddy would probably be banging with Dickinson in there. But then I have then no you have foul trouble there if that happens too. Yep. And Roddy, Ex- then you're cooked. exactly. He's he's got to play straight up and not take fouls, but. I have no idea how Michigan stops that lineup on the other end. Cause if Roddy's pulling him, pulling Dickinson away from the basket, or you put Dickinson on Tanjay or something like that, that's not going to work, which is why I circle back to you. You said the offenses, I think they both have clear routes to points. I don't know exactly what tempo where, where the land here, but I think the efficiency is enough to make me like the over uh, 139 and a half or so. So I'm, I'm leaning that way. And I'm same, same way with you with spread. I, I feel as close to a coin flip. So if I had to take it, it'd be give me the points. Yeah. Depending on how Colorado State decides to play, if they go small ball, um, so it's like, are, are you sacrificing offense or defense? Depends on, I, I'm not sure what Medved's going to do. I think he's a great coach. Um, but if they go small ball, I think this is over city. Like it's, it's Dickinson. Dickinson had an incredible advantage anyway, but if Roddy's on him, Roddy's going to be, okay, I need, I need to be on offense. Yeah. Lay it up. <laughs> Right. Like uh, that's layups for Michigan. And I think Colorado state will have plenty of uh, opportunities to exploit. Yeah. They, they'd have to double like crazy, like double and rotate every time Dickinson touches it, like on the touch, on the catch, send a second defender. Yeah. It's not, it feels like there's just going to be a ton of open threes in, in that game, depending on, on the matchups. Um, all right. Let's move on to the winner of Colorado state, Michigan will take on the winner of Tennessee and Longwood. Tennessee fresh off an SEC tournament championship and Longwood once I, man, there's been so many games. I feel like the long last time Longwood played was uh, a month ago, but they won the, that incredible big South tournament. Really? Look, like when I first looked at this matchup, when I'm looking at a straight up upset, I don't think Longwood really has a chance because I think that Longwood's overseeded. It's a team that got really fortunate in a lot of close games. And then Tennessee, I think is, Underseeded, like you could argue that Tennessee's a two. Longwood, for me, I mean, I, I think I have Georgia State power rated higher than Longwood, and Longwood, Longwood's a a fourteen, and uh, Georgia State's a sixteen. But Longwood has shooters, and that's what you want to hang around in games like this when you're talking a mid-major versus uh, a power conference team. They can shoot the three; they get great shots, and they make shots. 
and they have big guards and Tennessee has smaller guards. So I don't think that Longwood is going to have trouble getting shots off. Now, if the Tennessee voodoo from last week in the SEC tournament continues, Longwood's cooked. Um, if, you know, everyone goes one of 30 from three against Tennessee, but maybe there's some regression the other way that's, that's due for the Vols. So I don't think there's much risk of an, an upset here. Um, three fourteen. Who was in the Big South? That was Win- uh, maybe Winthrop. Winthrop. Yeah, I think they were. All these conferences changed so much, but I think Winthrop in a three fourteen. I think the spread was like three. Uh, <laughs> back in like two thousand fifteen, and um, Tennessee won at the buzzer on a Chris Lofton incredible three. Do you remember that game? I do. It, 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 yeah, it was like right in the corner, coffin corner fadeaway shot by Lofton. That was a wild game. That might was that, that might have been two fifteen rather than three think- three fourteen. I got to look it up. Winthrop. Yep, now we're, <laughs> we did this to ourselves. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the year I won a big bracket pool. I had, I had Winthrop putting that game. I had Winthrop go to the sweet 16. I also had Northwestern state beating Iowa. And I somehow got three of the four final four teams. Obviously didn't have George Mason, just a bit bonkers <laughs> final four. The no top seeds made it to the final four. Um, yeah, 2006, right? I think that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 63-61 Tennessee, two seed Tennessee over 15 uh, Winthrop. Terrell Martin, Greg, Craig Bradshaw. See. Yeah, man, this, this Winthrop team was awesome. We, we are down the, the rabbit hole, but, man, it's a great rabbit hole. Yeah, I'm looking. by the way, I'm looking at, as I'm trying to pull this up, not this region, but Providence, South Dakota State, obviously really small spread, 413. Small spread ever if this holds, if it doesn't go to three. Vandy, Murray State, 2010. Vandy was minus two and a half as a four seed. I believe Vandy lost. I think I want to say Dayton, Tulsa, 2003. That was the only other one in the last 20 years. I think Dayton won and didn't cover um, for what it's worth. I think those, those two are owned to add a meaningless sample size. Um, do you have the seeds there? That's all I want to know. Yeah, that was 215. It was 215. There's no way the spread was then. Could it have been? I feel like the spread was super low. It definitely wasn't. I don't know. We'll look this up another time. Back to this game. So do you agree Tennessee's not at risk of an upset here? Or do you think that Longwood could be feisty enough? Uh, and then do you think that Longwood's guards and three-point shooting are enough to stay within this number? Because I tend to think that's the case. Yep. I like the dog. Uh, as far as actually being live and potentially winning, that's that's maybe a bridge too far unless they're scalding like 60% from deep. Uh, but I, I do think, like you said, the power guards they have that like, all, all three of their guards look like linebackers. They're like 200, 220 pounds. Isaiah Wilkins played for two different ACC schools. Now he's on Longwood shooting 47% from deep. Um, they rebound well for their league. That might not translate against an SEC team, but uh, I think they're super well coached. Griff Aldrich and then Rick Barnes has really struggled in the tournament. Well-documented against the spread. I think he's like one in five against the number since he got to Tennessee and it dates back even further to his Texas days. So yeah, I'm Longwood plus 17 would be uh, a bet for me here. All right, let's move on to the bottom half of the bottom half of the South Ohio state, the seven seed. These, these game, two games will be in Pittsburgh, Ohio state, Loyola, Chicago and Villanova, Delaware, Ohio state, Loyola, Chicago. I've spread right around a pick. I've gone back and forth on, but I think that I've settled on Loyola Chicago. I, I mean, Ohio State's just trending in the wrong direction, whereas Loyola Chicago got a little healthier and then really turned it on in the Valley Tournament late. I think Williamson, who's one of the best defenders in the entire country, can lock up Branham. 
Liddell, I think they have enough bodies to throw at him. The Ohio State defense has major questions, especially with Brano. I mean, maybe they just need to be locked in here. Um, Ohio State lost as a, a, I believe, a two seed last year after Holman had a lot of success in the first round. I think Little Chicago is going to make this game uncomfortable and they're going to get enough stops and have enough quality defenders to stop Ohio State, who's also not fully healthy which I think really put me over the top here. Do you agree? Yep, 100%. Key has an ankle issue. Kyle Young has a concussion. One or both might play, but I kind of think Young will be out. I think Key will be limited. Uh, and yeah, Loyola Williamson's the back-to-back defensive player of the year in the Valley. I mean, what, what a perfect defender to throw at Branham. And Marquise Kennedy came back for Loyola Chicago in the Missouri Huge. Valley tournament. Yeah, and it just like he takes them to a different gear. Like the performances without him, they went – five and three straight up and then he came back and they won not comfortably but they won all three games by more than one possession in the valley tournament i think he just takes them to a different gear and they're right now the way Ohio state's playing they're the loyal is the better team uh, villanova delaware this is uh, a good storyline game if you're like the announcer for this game uh you have martin ingles be the head coach of delaware playing his dad's alma mater villanova Gibbs in Pittsburgh, as I mentioned, his dad was an absolute legend uh, with the Cardinal Harrow. My dad went to high school outside of Philly and then went to Villanova and was a great basketball player. Played in the NBA for a bit, too. Um, and then Don Painter, who is uh, Villanova transfer, going back to play his old team, who's now uh, a center on Delaware. When I look at this matchup, like Delaware won't be overwhelmed athletically in this game. Um, they are a team that, you know, I think – before the season, if you looked at this roster, you're like, all right, this team is going to have a shot to win the Colonial. And, they, you know, they struggled for at, at times, but they really came on towards the end of the year. You saw flashes. And the main thing is that the development of Jair Davis down low. I mean, he has just played incredible, takes them to another level. Nova's tough, though. And they're seasoned and they're toothache to play. Do, you know, maybe the size of Delaware could potentially give – Villanova, some issues. Um, can the Blue Hens hang in this game? I'm, I'm torn. The spread feels about right to me. I mean, Villanova, because they play so slowly, they can be susceptible to upsets if they're cold. Uh, but then I also, I think it's worth mentioning. Because yeah, they shoot a lot of threes. They give up a ton of threes. They're top 25 yep. in both, three-point Yep. three-pointers attempted and then three-pointers allowed rate-wise. The problem is they usually make all the threes and then other teams aren't making threes against yeah. them. But speak, speaking of not making threes against them, D- Delaware, in their tournament run, the three games they won in the CAA, their, their opponent shot uh, 19% from beyond the arc. So I think there's maybe some regression coming. Uh, Villanova also was poor in the Big East tournament final with their perimeter shooting. Uh, so I'm, I'm leaning to Nova, but Delaware does have some matchup edges like Davis. I, I think even though Samuels and Slater could be solid matchups for him, I think he'll get his. He's just been so, so good down the stretch. This, this one was a tough one for me. One of the toughest ones in the region. Yep. Andrew Carr, by the way, uh, has played well down the stretch too. So De- Delaware does have some size here. Uh, I think it'll come down to their guards. Like they need to make shots. The guards are really hit or miss, um, you know, but they're going to need like Jameer Nelson Jr., Ryan Allen, um, you know, Asamoah, they're going to need to hit shots, I think. But feels right. I think given the tempo, um, I don't think Nova's really at risk of a, a an upset here. But given the tempo, I'd probably, you have to pick this for like a, a pool. I'd, I'd lean Delaware. Um, all right. So 
let's finish this up. I think did you, you went with Villanova over Tennessee? I did. I after okay. much deliberation. Yep. And same. Um, so Villanova, Arizona, matching up in the Elite Eight, consensus there. Who wins? We're going Wildcats. Uh, I, I actually was. Well, if Cre- which ones? If, no, that's, good that's point. Not, you're not Go going ahead. on a limb there. Yeah, that's true. Wow, you caught me. Uh, Arizona. I'm taking Arizona. The boys at Tucson. I uh, saw him live a couple times this year. was mega impressed. If Creasa was healthy, I actually think they'd be my national title pick. But I'm I'm souring enough that I think I'll probably have them come up just short. But I still think they will get to the final four. I, I believe in the the bigs, the system, the Tommy Lloyd's installed, uh, and Matherin and Terry are great on the wing. So, yep, I'll go Arizona to the final four. Yeah, I, I have Arizona in my final four as well. But thought about this one. Because, I mean, Nova's going to really slow this one down really seasoned team. Um, but I think that Arizona's overall talent gets it done. It's not, they just, there's so many ways that Arizona could beat you. Um, and uh, yeah, I think Arizona advances on to the final four. If someone last question for you, Jim, if someone was looking for another team, so not to go chalk, and that is a way that, you know, you're either right or you, you want to pick, I think a lot of times you want to pick one team that makes a deep run, maybe not to the final four, um, but that maybe not a lot of other people have. Um, and that's how you can really differentiate yourself. If someone wanted to t- take that shot in the South, I think there's better regions to do it myself. And we'll talk about them on upcoming podcasts, but who would you target here as a, uh, you got to take one team to make it to the elite eight. That is a five or uh, a six, a six or above. I'll go Loyola. Uh, I, I think they're capable of making the run. Mention Kennedy and just what he means to them. Uh, the tournament experience they have, like Lucas Williamson was on the Final Four team. Uh, most of, uh, almost all these guys were on the Sweet 16 team last year. They can shoot it. Uh, I actually think Valentine's a really good defensive game planner, even though he is a super young coach. Uh, and, and Villanova, because they play so slow, they're prone to bad shooting nights themselves, are vulnerable to bad shooting nights, and uh, hot shooting nights for the opponent. So I think they could get to the elite eight from there. They have to beat Tennessee, but I also think that's doable. Uh, Loyola beat Tennessee back in uh, 2016 on the run to the final four or 2018, excuse me. Uh, so I, I'll go with the Ramblers as my sneaky pick. What you want to look for, I have an article up on the next note. It looks at the 13 through 15 seeds and ranking their upset chances. And a lot of what I look for, you can apply this to betting or, but it mainly it's for bracket money. Line picks. high variance games is what you want for your dogs. And that comes down to like three pointers and then tempo. And that Loyola Chicago Villanova game will be a grinder. Um, so that's low, low, low possessions, higher variance. Uh, you know, it's, it's a little different for Loyola Chicago if they were playing like Gonzaga or Arizona where the possessions would be way up. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a good, a good target for an uncomfortable team to play in this field in a tournament setting with experience and a great preparation coach all right jim that'll do it for the south we went a little chalky we like uh, potentially some dogs early gave some upset potential thanks for joining me uh i will see you on big bets on campus live every day this weekend 10 30 a.m eastern on twitter we'll tweet out the links go hunt some more winners and uh good luck this weekend brother appreciate it see you then all right joining me now to talk a little west the west which is we just talked the south we're going to go on the other side of the bracket and talk the West. Gonzaga is the one seed here. But first, BJ, how goes it? Where's your excitement level at? 
Uh, it's getting up there. I think usually for me, it hits uh, by this second game uh, on Tuesday. Usually, and obviously, we have a great matchup uh, with Wyoming and Indiana. But uh, I mean, there is, I don't think there's a better feeling as either sports better, as a fan, of waking up on that Thursday morning and just having all the games ready to go. I mean, I, I tell you what, I cannot wait until Thursday morning for tip. It's going to be so much fun. Christmas morning is so close. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's, uh, let's, Start off talking the West. Gonzaga's the one seed. Duke's the two seed. Texas Tech's the three seed. And then you're talking Arkansas the four, UConn the five. Gonzaga, obviously the favorite here. High level when you look at this region. You have Gonzaga coming out. If not, can anyone get them early? Or do you think they're going to the Elite Eight and then someone else can pick them off? What do you have in your bracket? What are you looking for overall? Just give me your thoughts on this region. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to get your thoughts as well. I'm teetering right now. Um, I really think Texas Tech has a great shot of upsetting Gonzaga in that Elite Eight. Uh, number one defense in college basketball really just doesn't allow anything at the rim, which Gonzaga really needs to get there, can play well in transition with them. So that is where I'm kind of looking. Um, that would probably be my big upset to be a differentiator from a lot of other brackets out there. So Texas Tech in the Final Four, I mean – Duke is definitely getting upset, and I think very, very early here. And I think we're, we're, what's going to end up happening is Texas Tech is going to have a little bit of an easier path to the Elite Eight, uh, and then it's going to be an amazing matchup against Gonzaga. Yeah, I I wanted to go uh, – Texas Tech, by the way, it's a good – you're right. If you're looking like strategically, if you're looking for a team, you know, that's a higher seed to make a deep run to like the Final Four, I don't think a lot of people will have that. So and you can get a huge advantage – over the others in your bracket pool, if that's the case. By the way, at Stucky2 on Twitter, I have some uh, information on a bracket pool that I'm running that you can check out. Um, I, I ultimately went chalk. Um, I went chalk in the one seeds in the West and the South, which is this episode. We're going to talk Midwest and East next. Teaser that I did not go with the one seeds in either the East or Midwest. But, yeah, I came close. I don't believe in the Duke defense. Wouldn't shock me if – yeah, I'm not a believer in Michigan State. I just don't believe I don't believe in the Duke defense. I and this Coach K thing might might just be a distraction for them. But the way that they closed the year, I mean, look, an offense like that Davidson with their motion could give, could give them a lot of trouble in the second round in Greenville. Um, Texas Tech, I just don't buy their offense. Um, I just don't think it's quite good enough to get to the Final Four and knock off Gonzaga. You know. Gonzaga has a couple potential landmines, you know, say Memphis wins that game. Memphis, just the athleticism of Memphis. Um, you know, the game will be like up and down and maybe that's not great going against Gonzaga. But man, Memphis certainly has the athletes. And since uh, Imani Bates left the program, number two team in the country for Torvik. Team's playing extremely well. Arkansas, I think could potentially give Gonzaga a game. So there's some landmines there. I ultimately think, that Gonzaga prevails and goes to the final four where they then lose. That's where I have them going as the peak, but let's, uh, I think I'm trying to think of my bracket. I haven't decided who I'm moving to the elite eight yet. Like you have the, the variants of Alabama, you know, Rutgers could he, I mean, if Rutgers, they, they just their toughness, like going against Alabama, they could beat like Texas tech in like a game in the forties. Um, yeah. And I think Duke and Michigan state, the two and seven on there are vulnerable. Um, so yeah, I still haven't decided on my final four, my, excuse me, my elite eight team. And that's one of the reasons that I picked 
Gonzaga just because I'm not that confident in the Elite Eight, the team that comes out for the Elite Eight. That's one of the reasons I went with the Zags. Um, all right, but let's go through game by game here. Gonzaga, Georgia State. I actually really like Georgia State here. I think that they are, are really underseeded. I mean, just from a power ratings perspective, they had a lot of injuries early on. They had uh, really bad shooting luck going against them on both sides. They had some COVID issues. I thought they're going to be a 14 seed. Like Longwood's a 14 seed. I have Georgia State power rated higher than them. And uh, so, I, I mean, I think that they both got shafted. Like Gonzaga having to play maybe the best 16 ever power ratings wise. And then Georgia State having to play Gonzaga. Um, really not fair to either team. But Georgia State can defend the rim well, which is important here. Their guards, I think, can create a little bit of havoc and, and pressure that could maybe give Gonzaga a little bit of trouble here and there. And I think that their guards can attack Gonzaga a huge spread here in the game that's like more like a a one versus a 14 than a 16. Georgia State, I think, is fully capable with their guards of uh, their senior laden backward of getting a backdoor if needed. So Gonzaga clearly going to advance. Um, but I think the spread's a bit too high. I, I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm with you on Georgia State. You, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. They're an incredibly underrated team. I mean, even if you look at, at shot quality, how drastically they underperformed this season, they should have gone undefeated in the Sun Belt. They had they won every single game on shot quality, but had a ton of bad luck throughout the stretch. There are a couple of things that, you know, Georgia State's not a great offensive team, but they do run a ton of pick and roll, uh, and they're pretty effective in doing so. Uh, and that's one area that Gonzaga has somewhat struggled yeah. in. Uh, this year and you know Gonzaga obviously loves to push the pace but you know Georgia State is you know per shot quality third best team in the nation in transition defense so it's really not that great of a matchup uh, for yep. Gonzaga in the first round I'd, I'd actually be pretty pissed if I was Mark Few I was like why, why couldn't yep. I get you know Texas Southern or uh, Corpus Christi Norfolk State, Norfolk State. Yep. Like, and now we get a team that should have been at the very least a 15 seed so yeah uh, yeah Georgia State I mean they're not live on the money line but 23 and a half is, is pretty big uh, for a team that's, you know, this good has great, like you said, has great guard play um, and can defend the rim really well. So right there with you, love, love Georgia state uh, against Gonzaga. Yeah. Georgia state would be a 16 seed that has a chance to win a game. If it was like a lower possession game, like say that Virginia, the like gold Virginia, when they lost to UMBC, they, their variance was so much higher in their games because they played so, so Gonzaga plays so fast that it's, it's just uh, it's hard to see Georgia state. Like Georgia state just had to get hot you know, for maybe 10, 12 minutes in the game, then all of a sudden it's going to be close throughout against Virginia. A little different against Gonzaga. They'll go on a couple of runs, but I think it's too many points here. Let's move on to the 8-9 game. Talked about Memphis surging Memphis. Just a dumpster fire earlier on in the season, but really figured it out down the stretch and, and surged up until that AAC final. Really athletic team, can pressure you. Um, point guard play, questionable times, but so is Boise State's. I think this game sets up, well, I'll get your thoughts first. I'll let you lead off here. What are your thoughts on Boise State, Memphis? Memphis, uh, two and a half point favorite over under sitting right around 133. Yeah, ultimately, you know, how hot Memphis has been there. I My guess is they'll probably get through here. But looking at it from a market perspective, I think given how good Memphis has been over the second half of the season, I think when we get towards Wednesday and Thursday, I think we'll see a ton of Memphis money just hit the market. So you might actually be, be able to get a better number on Boise State. And listen, Boise State, I think, is one of the few teams that Memphis could have matched up in the first round that can actually match their size in their rebounding. Yeah, athleticism. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Boise State, fifth in the country in defensive rebounding percentage. That's You need that to keep Memphis off the glass. You know, you saw Memphis against SMU. I think they ended up with almost 50 rebounds total in the game. I mean, it was just a – it was an absolute mess. So you have to keep them off the off the glass if you want to have any chance of winning. And Boise State 
can do that. On the flip side, you know, Boise State runs a ton of post upsets. They're very similar uh, to Memphis in the fact that all of their scoring pretty much comes at the rim. So it's not the best of matchups for them, given how good Memphis is at the rim defending. But if Boise Boise State can slow this game down to their snail's pace, they'll have a good shot. And the one thing about Memphis, like you kind of mentioned with the point guard issues, they're 352nd in the country in turnover percentage, while Boise State turns people over a pretty high rate. in the field. So I actually do like Boise State here, uh, given the number. And I do think we may be able to get uh, a three, three and a half come Thursday. Uh, So I'm – Ultimately, probably going to be playing the Broncos uh, here in this. Um, doesn't give me a good feeling, uh, but I, I do think there is some value uh, on Boise State. I think I've been up playing Boise State there, too. I don't really like them as a favorite because they're awful at the free throw line. I think this game also sets up as an under. It's one of my favorite first-round unders. You know, point guard issues on both teams. Both teams are just, like, really long and switchable, and they can really take away everything the other team wants to do, creating mismatches in the half court on the offensive end. Two really good defensive teams, just long everywhere. and you know, when you look, it's like, okay, Memphis creates a lot of turnovers. Boise State has, you know, some point guard questions, but Boise State, incredible in transition defense. That's huge here. Keep Memphis in the half court, make them score the half court where you're really strong. I think Memphis will struggle to score. The other thing, Memphis with their way that they pressure is they foul a lot. But Boise State, one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the country. Memphis also struggles at the line. So even though I think that there could be some pressure here and turnovers and foul shots, the transition defense, bad free throw shooting, I think um, kind of overcomes that in this game is played to a, uh, just a, a defensive battle. I think both defenses have advantages in the half court. So I kind of like the under. Um, I agree, though. If you get three, three and a half, I think it's Boise going through. And both teams are athletic enough to hang with Gonzaga. I think Memphis is the more dangerous team given their uber athleticism, and they'll just make that game like just helter-skelter. Um, I think Gonzaga ultimately will prevail, but Memphis will give them a test. Might have some value depending on the line. Very interesting to see what that line is if Memphis gets past this game. UConn and New Mexico State in the 5-12 game. This is, uh, you know, everyone loves a 12 seed upsetting a 5. Is UConn vulnerable here? What do you say? Uh, maybe because of their offense, not because of their defense. I mean, they are, the, the Huskies are incredibly efficient defensively. Number one team in the country in terms of the quality of three point looks they allow. That's terrible news for New Mexico state who takes threes at a really high rate and is only making around 33% for the season. Uh, UConn also number one team in college basketball in offensive rebounding percentage. That's, you know, a lot of second chance points at how they've been somewhat efficient offensively uh new mexico state is a pretty decent defensive rebounding team but overall they didn't play an overly difficult non-conference schedule the one team they did play which i found interesting was washington state who was top 30 in offensive rebounding percentage washington state grabbed 18 offensive rebounds in that game so if i'm new mexico state i am very very worried about uconn just dominating the aggies on the glass but again you know the huskies have not been a very uh, efficient offense um, given the number, I do think if it, if it drops a little bit to, to minus six, maybe minus five and a half, maybe there's some love in the market for New Mexico state. There already has been because they opened at seven and they're down to six and a half. I think there's a potential to play UConn here. Uh, they're definitely vulnerable, uh, because of, you know, how inefficient their offense has been, but again, it's a really good matchup for them defensively. So, uh, if given a better number, I think I might end up playing the Huskies. Yeah. I actually don't love the matchup for New Mexico state. They, uh, they always tend to be a trendy 
underdog pick, but I think that they just have, look, Teddy Allen, Teddy Buckets from Mexico State, he can get buckets and make tough shots. He was at West Virginia, then Nebraska down to Mexico State. But I think Connecticut has a lot of length to throw at him that can really bother him and take him out of this game. Neither team wants to play super fast. Um, I think that, you know, New Mexico State, I think their defense is better than their offense. The UConn offense has some issues at times. Their defense is incredible. I think this is played in a complete half court, and uh, I really like the under here as well. The West is uh, where I like most of uh, my unders, for what it's worth. But I think UConn advances. I don't think that – I'm not going to have New Mexico State as a, a trendy pick. You, you have UConn advancing in your bracket as well? Yep, yep. Yeah, this is uh, – I think there's three of the five 12 matchups, I think, um, are, are pretty much set that the five is going through, and then there's one that uh, – I think it's still is pretty up in the air right now. Don't jinx Iowa, please. Um, are you confident in your Hawkeyes, by the way? Uh, yes, but the number's too high. I'll just say that in the first yeah, round. I but I, I do think that uh, Richmond doesn't have an answer for Keegan Murray. So even there are yeah, no- Richmond might not have the legs either. Yeah, um, but I really worry, you know, what happened with Illinois last year and the hangover from winning the first, you know, Big Ten tournament in a long time. I really worry about that with Iowa, but so yep. if, um, like, for example, if they have to play South Dakota state in the second round, that scares me a lot. All right, let's move on to the UConn and New Mexico state. will take on the winner. These games are in Buffalo of Arkansas and Vermont, or maybe Vermont gets some, uh, crowd down there, make the drive or five, six hours from depending on where you are in the state. I think they'll have a, a decent contingent there. Vermont led, uh, just absolutely torched the American East. They lost one game by one when they were missing two starters, and then Hartford made like a billion threes in overtime. Other than that, they just rolled through the league. They won every game in their conference title, all three games by more than 30 points. I think 39, 34, and 39. They're dangerous. Arkansas, obviously, a dangerous team as well. Are the Hogs, are they in danger of an upset here? This is actually a one that I might pick in my, my bracket. I might have Vermont moving on. Yeah, absolutely. They are. They are in, uh, you can, I guess you'd call it trouble, vulnerable, whatever you want to call it, because this is an incredibly good and efficient Vermont team. Fourth most experienced team in college basketball per Ken Palm. Uh, the biggest thing in this match, they, they have a pretty decent matchup here against Arkansas. They're the number one defensive rebounding team in the country. So they should be able to keep that's the offense. That's very huge against Arkansas. They're very good defending inside the arc, 22nd two point field goal percentage. Uh, and top 80 in field goal percentage at the rim. Arkansas does not shoot the ball well from behind the arc, so another positive for Vermont. Also, they should be able to slow this game down to their incredibly slow pace and force Arkansas to play them in the half court where Vermont is top 10 in points per possession this season. They're very good in terms of their shot selection, which is their ninth in the country. They also don't turn the ball over a whole lot. They're very efficient attacking the rim. So if this game is played in the half court and Vermont forces Arkansas uh, to play with them at the slow pace, this is without a doubt upset alert for the Hogs. So I love Vermont at plus five, plus five and a half. I probably wouldn't go any lower than that. If it goes lower than that, I'll probably just, you know, just play it on the money line. Um, but yeah, the Arkansas is definitely, definitely vulnerable here against a really good Vermont team. Yeah, and Arkansas can start slow in games. That's not a great recipe for success uh as a favorite in the tournament and uh, yeah. i agree with that because you know i think colin's been saying it forever how arkansas just starts down 10 every single game you might be able to get a situation where if you play vermont to start you know at plus five plus five and a half well if they go up early similar to what colgate did to arkansas last year you could get a wonderful middle spot uh on arkansas potentially either win or you know getting up a plus number uh for the rest of the game 
Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Arkansas want to crash the offensive glass. They want to force turnovers, get out and run. They want to get to the free throw line. Vermont, very good in all those. Number one, as you said, in defensive rebounding percentage. They are top 20 in foul rate on the defensive end. And they are top 20 in the nation in turnover rate. Uh, so, yeah, look out for Vermont. Extremely dangerous. I think this game's going to go right down to the wire. Ryan Davis, uh, he's, he's the stud for uh, the senior-laden team. He can play inside out, and uh, he's shooting over 43% from three. This team can make threes, too, and Arkansas is not a great shooting team, so you might have some spurts from Vermont there. So, yeah, I agree. I'm going to have Vermont. I think it's a good upset to pick here um, with the 13 versus four. All right, let's move on to the bottom half of the West. Alabama will take on the winner of Rutgers. We don't know. We're recording this on Tuesday night who that winner is going to be. Um, any strong thoughts on Alabama? I mean, well, you mentioned at the top, incredibly high variance team. So they could get bounced here in the first round or they could go to the Elite Eight. It's, it's basically one or the other. Uh, they take a very high percentage of three-pointers, 12th in three-point rate, 12th in, in adjusted tempo. So uh, it'll be very interesting if they have to play Notre Dame or Rutgers, two slower-paced teams, if they are able to get up and out and transition. Uh, very efficient offense, but again, 94th in defensive, adjusted defensive efficiency. So um really you know and they've kind of faded down the stretch here they could get to the elite eight here i mean if you're looking for a pick to because we don't we're not we think of this bottom half as vulnerable with um and if alabama's making their shots like the one thing is if they win this game and then they presumably play texas tech we'll talk about that game next texas tech no middle defense you got to shoot around them move the ball and shoot threes and make threes alabama could do that now they're not they just don't make threes this year they shoot a ton they're a high variance team um and then they could beat duke or michigan state uh, and by the way, they already beat Gonzaga earlier this year, who they would could, could play in the Final Four. So if you want a team, you want to get really risky. The problem is they're high variance, but that's you want when you want to win a bracket pool, you got to take some high variance moves. Have Alabama make it a run. Now they could lose in the first round easily if the threes aren't falling. Um, but yeah, I agree. High variance team. Um, the one I, thing they're, they're tough. That that bottom half of the bracket, I, I just cannot figure out what I'm going to do. I'm glad. See, for you, you're like, oh, I really like Texas Tech. I wish I was that confident. I, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I told, them, yeah, I told you off the top, I'm pretty confident about them getting to the Elite Eight. Uh, I said I'm still kind of up in the air with them and Gonzaga. I mean, it's 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 kind of a coin flip for me. Obviously, Gonzaga will be favored. But the one thing I'll say about this is that if Rutgers beats Notre Dame, Rutgers is terrible in transition defense. So that is huge for Alabama, uh, who basically only plays in transition. Uh, so if – if they end up playing Rutgers, obviously, obviously it's all dependent on the number, but probably going to end up playing Alabama in the first round if they play the Starlet Knights. Texas Tech, the three seed, taking on Montana State, the 14 seed out of the big sky. I think it's a terrible matchup for Montana State. Um, on the defensive end, they look, they're not a great defense, but they kind of pack it in. A lot of teams just come down and they're going to get open looks from three. Texas Tech is not a good three-point shooting team. Um, and Montana State gets a lot of defensive rebounds because they're packed in. Um, and Texas Tech likes to live on the offensive glass. So I think Montana State might be able to have some success defensively, but the problem is their offense is all, they want to feed the post and they want to dribble drive with their guards to create. You can't do that against a no middle. So this is, it's just, I cannot see Montana State scoring enough, even though like this game, you know, Texas Tech, you, you always can say like, oh, they could be a, on upset alert as a big favor because the game's going to be a crawl, crawl low scoring. You're going to have, you're going to be shooting threes against them. It's your only, uh, course of offense against their excellent defense, but um, I would lean under here. I actually would lean Texas Tech reluctantly, but I don't like laying big numbers with them. Uh, but I think this is a tough matchup for Montana State's offense. Don't think Texas Tech is at risk of upset. Any thoughts here? 
Yeah, I'm not, I, I'm happy to just completely pass on this one. I really don't have a good feel, but the one thing I'll say about Montana state, you mentioned their dribble drive offense. They draw a ton of fouls. I mean, they're fifth in yep, the country. Texas Tech fouls. Yep, they're fourth in the country in free throw rate, and they do hit 75% from the free throw line. And like you mentioned, Texas Tech, uh, 232nd in free throw rate allowed. So that's basically one of the only advantages that Montana State will have offensively. But like you said, really, really bad matchup for them. Uh, the number's probably right, you know, potentially playing under, uh, but just a complete stay away from me. Yeah, that's one of the things that I mentioned in my uh, article on ranking the upsets on Action Network Cap. I said that if it's called really tight and there's calling fouls everywhere, that's advantage for Montana State because Texas Tech also isn't great at the line, but that's pretty much their only uh, hope, I think, offensively. All right, moving on to the bottom pod of the West in Greenville. You have where Davidson and Duke are playing, not each other, but they're both playing there, so you would think they have a little regional advantage, especially Duke, a huge fan base. We'll start Michigan State-Davidson. Michigan State, backcourt health questions. Tyson Walker probably won't play. Hogarth's a little banged up. This is the Foster Lawyer revenge game, the ex-Michigan State product, who might be like one of their best players now if he was still on the team. Um, I'm not a believer in this Michigan State team. They even like led the Big Ten in three-point defense and three-point shooting. You know, I don't think they take great shots. They still weren't, didn't like run through the conference. Shot quality, luck box. And this team turns it over a lot. They don't force turnovers. I don't think that they can really disrupt this Davidson offense. The only thing that concerns me, does Lawyer like try to do too much? I don't think he will. Um, and then just like the, kind of like a physicality advantage inside, like just Michigan State, like just right, I'm getting, I'm just going to throw it up and get dunks and rebounds. But I think Davidson can compete there better than some people think. Uh, I think Davidson advances. Um, I'm going to bet them as well. You agree? Absolutely. You mentioned the shot quality luck box. Uh, last 16 games of the season, Michigan State, 6-10 and 10, uh, overall record, 1-15 shot quality record. Uh, they, I mean, their shot selection on offense really plays to that because they're 299th in uh, the shot selection and 334th in rim and three-point rate, which are the two most valuable shots in half-court offense. So uh, given the fact they're outside the top 200 in points per possession, both half-court and transition – it's hard for me to see how they're going to exploit Davidson, even though Davidson isn't that great of a team defensively. But Davidson is top 10 uh, in terms of defensive rebounding percentage. So Michigan State's going to have very few second chance points. So I, I agree with you. I don't know how you know, the Spartans are really going to score effectively in this game. And on the flip side, if you haven't seen Davidson play, uh, they are one of the best shooting teams in all of college basketball. Uh, top six in both catch and shoot and off dribble three-pointers. I mean, they finished the season over 38% from behind the arc. They play a very, very slow tempo, high frequency of their offense coming in the half court where they're third in points per possession per shot quality, uh, while Michigan State is outside the top 100 in half court defense. So given the fact that this is going to be played at a, a slow pace where Michigan State actually loves to play a decent amount of percent, percentage of uh, their possessions in transition, I think that Davidson has a ton of advantages and also the injury questions for Michigan State. I, I agree with you. I love – this is probably my favorite pick um, of all of Friday. Uh, I love Davidson here, and I'm. Well, we will talk about it a bit, but I also love them to beat Duke in the second round. Yeah, Davidson, they're not going to let you get out in transition. I think that's Michigan State's best course of action for offense. But Davidson just slows the game down to a crawl, doesn't let you get in transition, which I think works in their favor here. And, look, they got guys like Menenga, uh, Brakovich, who can, who can shoot threes, who can pull out those Michigan State bigs and kind of open up the motion offense. Um, I think that's going to yeah, be a matchup. Three starters over State. 40% from behind the arc. Yeah, and that includes their their yep. bigs. And uh, um, 
And Foster Lawyer leads yep. the country in free throw percentage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lawyer's at 45%. Berkovich is at 40%. Lee is at 38%. And it's a guy who hit 46% last year, 38% the year before. Jones at 43%. Meninga at 44%. Uh, Huffman at 38%. This team, shoot. Uh, I think they get it done. And, that, and, and that's really last... what you want in, the bra- in, a, in a bracket like this, or at least in the NCAA tournament. You want teams that can get hot really easily shooting the ball and just ride that wave all the way through the tournament. So Davidson's one of those teams that I'll be picking to go uh, to the sweet 16 and who knows, maybe I'll stare at Texas tech a little bit longer and have Davidson in the elite eight. Why not? It's madness. Duke, Duke Fullerton final game of the West Duke 18 and a half point favorite here against Fullerton coming all the way across the country after winning the big West, taking on Duke who kind of slid down the stretch. I'm fading Duke in this tournament, not here. Actually, might play Duke. I think it's a terrible matchup for Fullerton. They want to feed it inside Janisicki. They want to get to the rim. You just can't do those things against Duke and Mark Williams. Um, the other side, Duke has the size advantage with their guards. Duke doesn't turn it over. Fullerton wants to turn it over. Fullerton wants to get to the line. Duke doesn't foul. I just matchup advantage is all over. It feels like a game where like everyone's writing off Duke and they get to play like a really inferior opponent in front of their home crowd. And I think that they take advantage and like just run it up, take up some French frustrations. Hopefully win by like 50 and then we can get everyone's like oh duke's back and then we can fade them the next round that'd be great so i think their defense has major issues but i don't think fullerton can expose that here fullerton also not like a three-point reliant team um they do have a couple capable shooters but they want to work in the post they want to get to the rim just not going to work against duke um so yeah i think the blue devils win rather easily yeah i i agree with everything you said it's, it's just a complete pass for me but what i will say about duke you know t- uh, the titans aren't going to exploit them here but duke right now cannot turn anybody over 318th in turnover percentage they can't stop anybody in transition 183rd in points per possession allowed and they are horrible at defending three-pointers outside the top 200 against both catch and shoot and off dribble so the next round against davidson that's a huge problem because those are three things that davidson does motion offenses motion offenses last Last four games of the season from Duke, they allowed over 1.1 points per possession to North Carolina, Syracuse without Buddy Beheim, Miami, and Virginia Tech. So what do you think Davidson or even potentially Texas Tech is going to do? Like, this is a really, really bad defense right now. But again, like you mentioned, Cal State Fullerton just doesn't take a high number of threes, doesn't have the size, really just can't really compete here with Duke. So it's a pass for me, you know. I mean, like any game in this tournament, I'll be potentially looking to play something live, but uh, I don't really have a good feel for this one, so I'll be passing. All right, then before we get you out of here, give me your final four in your national championship if you want. If you haven't decided yet, then you haven't decided. Uh, I've I've pretty much decided. Uh, I got Texas Tech coming out of the West. I have your Kentucky Wildcats coming out of the East. I have the Arizona Wildcats coming out of the to the South region. And then I have my Iowa Hawkeyes coming out of the Midwest. And ultimately I have uh, your Kentucky Wildcats playing the Arizona Wildcats in the final. And unfortunately I have the Arizona Wildcats cutting down the nets. All right. Good stuff. BJ, we will be back again for episodes next week. You will be back. We have an episode after this covering the East and the Midwest with Matt Cox and Kai McEwen. Thanks for joining me, BJ. Thanks to Jim Root for joining me as well. Thanks to all of you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Good luck on your brackets. Good luck on your wagers. Enjoy the madness. And by the way, make sure you check out Big Bets on Campus Live, 10.30 a.m. Eastern, every day of the tournament this upcoming weekend. 
with myself and the guys from the Three Man Weave and Big Pets on Campus, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe, review, really helps us out. Thanks for tuning in. Good luck this weekend and enjoy. Enjoy.